You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What's up, 12s? It's been a while. This is Michael Bumpus. You're listening to Hawk Talk, and of course, I'm with my guy, Nass the Chubby. Nass, what's up, man? How you been? What's good, Bump? It's been too damn long since we've been on this thing, man. I'm happy to chop it up with you. Me too, man. Me too. And of course, this is the draft recap. We got to talk about what happened and what had happened in the draft. See what had happened at first was. What happened was. What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. What had happened was the first two picks, pretty predictable, right? We knew Trevor Lawrence was going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was going to be the guy to save this franchise. We knew Zach Wilson was going to the New York Jets, which I must say, after looking at Zach Wilson, I don't know if New York's a good fit for him, man. He looks he looks a little uptight. You know, you got to have some confidence and, and some swag about you. He has swag on the field, but off the field. I don't know if his personality fits in New York. Yeah, man, I know. I think you're talking about that viral video and all the draft picks yes. were getting together in front of the television, and he just looked like that moment didn't really fit, but who knows? <laughs> the problem, though, is New York is a tough market, man. They are just – they're essentially waiting for you to fail. So, good yeah. luck to you, Zach. I hope you bring some of that stuff he had at BYU onto the field because you're going to need it. You're going to need it over there. Now, we got, got a little tricky. Number three, Trey Lance goes to the 49ers. Me personally, I thought Justin Fields was the right pick. We heard Mac Jones was going to be the guy. Justin Fields' stock just slid for some reason. I don't understand what was going on. The guy's 20 and two as a starter, won a national championship, showed some toughness. I don't get it. But the 49ers, they kept this information close to them. They end up drafting Trey Lance at the number three spot, which I'm not mad at. Um, I am mad because the Hawks got to face him, but I understand why they would pick this guy. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, he obviously he was on top of their board. Shanahan and Lynch kept it close to the vest. They knew the guy that they wanted. Um, it was interesting, too, because they kind of let the Mac Jones rumors just kind of stay out there because for yep. a while everyone thought Jones was going to the 49ers at number three. But what do you think that does for Garoppolo, right? Because they're saying all the right things. They're saying Garoppolo is still going to, mm-hmm. you know, he's still going to start. He's still their quarterback, kind of a mentor situation, maybe kind of a la Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes. But how soon do you think we see Trey Lance on that football field? Honestly, week one or two. I think it's going to oh. be that early. I, I honestly think that if if Trey Lance is the guy that we hear that he is, that the 49ers thinks he, thinks he is, he's a smart guy, he's competitive, he's mobile, he has some accuracy issues, but I think with their, their scheme on offense, they can kind of work around that. I think we're going to see him earlier than later. And if he flashes during camp, Jimmy already feels the pressure. He's going to feel even more pressure. They're trying to gracefully push him out the door right. you know they're not kicking him out they're like look man there's we got a new toy mentor this guy we'll see what he does now what surprised me mac jones falls to number 15 but i think he lands in the perfect spot for him new england Patriots. you like that pick yeah i mean that's exactly what they wanted and honestly i think a lot of people in their shoes thought they're gonna have to trade up to get him that he wasn't still going to be there obviously he's all about the quarterbacks leading up to the draft but I think it's a great fit. I mean, are you kidding me? With Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, um, you still got Cam on the roster, so it's one year probably under Cam, or who knows? Cause Cam's had a lot of injury issues, so maybe Mac Jones gets 
playing time early because last year uh, the Patriots backup, I'm blanking on his name, Stidham I think his name was, he yeah. played in a lot of games and it wasn't necessarily just because Cam was hurt. It was kind of for some play reasons on the field. So I think I think Mac Jones could not have gone to a better place just to they're going to find a way for his skill set to pop with that offense. So it'll be interesting to see how that future goes. If Cam Cam's already self-motivated. Remember last year, yeah. you know, all the videos he's putting out. He's got to be motivated now. He feels that pressure. He's on the last leg of his career. We'll see how responsive Mac Jones. But I want to go back to the Bears real quick. I'm kind of proud of the Bears, man. I'm proud of them, <laughs> right? Because they, they jacked it up a few years ago. You pass them a Holmes. You pass them to Sean Watson. They say, you know what? This ain't going to happen again. And they 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 move up to get Justin Fields. So I'm happy for the Bears. They finally did something right. No, exactly right. And I, I think back to the tweet. Uh, do you remember early in the offseason when they tweeted out QB1 and it was a picture of Andy Dalton? Yes. Oh, my god. I was gosh. thinking about that. I was like, why did they do the <laughs> unnecessary criticism? They didn't need that. But I love the pick. And honestly, I'm really hyped for Justin Fields because, like you said, I have no idea why he plummeted all of a sudden from going to playing in the college football playoff to all of a sudden now you can't play anymore and we're concerned about your accuracy and all that. And people were talking about his interceptions. When you really look at the film, a couple of those – People brought up that Northwestern game. One of those was a one-handed, incredible pick in the back of the right. end zone. Another game, he had balls tipped. So I, I thought a lot of the criticism was unfair with Justin. So I'm just really happy that he was a first-rounder and he got drafted in the first round. And Chicago has could have something there, man. They could have finally made up for the Mitchell Trubisky decision over Patrick Mahomes. So we'll, we'll see about that. But happy for Justin Fields. Now, Alabama. Goodness gracious. Now, I, I'm not an Alabama supporter but I understand who they are and understand what they do. And what they did was have six players drafted in the first round. You kidding me? All right, we talked about Mac Jones, of course. You got Waddle. You got uh, Sertain. You got Devontae Smith. You got Leatherwood. You got Harris. I mean, they are, if, when you talk about a factory, when you talk about a feeder program to the NFL, you talk about Nick Saban and, and those Alabama boys, man. It's something special they got going down there. Nick Saban is an incredible football coach, the best college football coach in the land maybe ever. But, man, they have better players than everyone else in the country. And it's yeah. year after year after year. All those – you guys, they all lining up on the same offense? Are you kidding me? Crazy. Like, you look at that receiver room. That receiver room – shoot, I'll go out and say it. It's better than some receiver rooms in the National Football League. <laughs> Facts. And that was in the SEC. So, like, Bama is there. They are, uh, man, they're just, there's a different animal, different, total different beast. I mean, it's, it's year after year after year. So, don't be surprised if I would love to be a coach there from the standpoint of winning. It might be a little tough underneath Saban that whole time, but all they do is win because they recruit players that are better than other people's players straight up. Last year, you got Judy, who comes out receiver from Alabama. You got Ruggs, who comes out receiver from Alabama. And then they put out a few more this year. It makes me sick, low-key. I'm just a little jealous. I'm just, Wazoo, where we at? Come on, let's get one receiver out in the draft next year. <laughs> hey, you know, so, soon enough, maybe, maybe. Maybe. All right, let's talk about these first-round positions. So in the first round, we had five quarterbacks go, two running backs, five receivers, one tight end, one tackle, one guard, four DNs, which – I was surprised because it wasn't a great year for edge rushers, but they still got some guys out. Two inside linebackers, three outside backers, five corners, uh, no D tackles or centers drafted. Um, now, the, the, the draft is, is the way the cookie crumbles, right? Mm -hmm. One team makes one move, 
it might have taken away from another team's pockets. So now, now they make a move. So it's hard to say, like, okay, there, there just weren't any D tackles or centers that were first-round grades. Sometimes that's just the way it happens because of picks prior to, say, um, a middle-tier team going. So um, I wouldn't put too much stock in that because I feel like there are some good D tackles and centers there. But that's the breakdown for the first round. Were you surprised with – how many receivers or was there a position that just stood out to you when it came to the picks in the first round? Really? The only thing we knew quarterbacks were going to, we knew quarterbacks were going to be drafted all over. We knew, you know, for me, receivers, not, not so surprising just because the way the, the league is going now and the way people throw the ball, you need playmakers, you need people to stretch the field. You need guys on the inside. I was, I wouldn't put too much stock on it. Like you said, but I was a little surprised defensive tackle. That's just, yeah. you always know there's at least one or two every year, typically probably one from Alabama, Probably, you know, <laughs> so it was, it's a center, not as much. I was surprised the defensive tackle, but I'm not surprised a quarterback wide receiver or cornerback for that matter, because with all these good receivers in the league every year, we might say this, it feels like receivers are getting better and better and offenses are getting better and better. So it's harder to find guys to try to stop them. So not surprised that many corners went. Um, but yeah, the first round was a, it was an interesting day. It was good to see people back in. It wasn't all virtual. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the couch situation. <laughs> But that aside, I it was really cool just to see people hugging Roger Goodell, getting out there, having that moment with their families, not in you know secluded to their living rooms or basements if they wanted to be out there. So it was cool to see the draft kind of get back to normal. Kind of let us feel like there's hope that we're getting back yeah. to the the world we used to know pre-COVID. Yeah, because that's that's what you dream about, man. You want to shake Goodell's hands, you want to hug him. It's a big moment for those guys. I'm glad they got a chance to experience it. Now, let's talk about these Seahawks. Seahawks had three picks. It's the second fewest players drafted since 1967. My mom was born in 66. A long time, Naz. Very long time. And their very first pick. I'm going to let you tell who the first pick was because I want to glow a little bit. Who they pick up, Naz? Michael Bumpus, as he just said, wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. And that was, we got to give Bump credit because where credit's due. He was out there weeks before letting everybody know on 710 ESPN that the Seahawks could go after Dwayne Eskridge for his playmaking ability and everything we saw in him. So it was cool to see you become a draft guru. Is that your you new nickname? I mean? You're the guru now? I'm, I'm a draft guru, at least for a year. I got to back <laughs> it up next year. But until then, yes, I, w- I would say that. No, Bump, so I love this pick in Eskridge. We were texting right before. Not only was that record out, me and you were texting, and I was saying, yep. hey, you know, I think we need a, a you know a slot-type receiver or cornerback, and you brought up Eskridge. So when you look at him, what jumps off? What's the first thing you think about when you see Eskridge on the field? Dude is fast, man. He catches the rock, and he can go. He had touchdowns last year of 72 yards, 76 yards, and 85 yards. That don't just happen on accident. Yep. Now, when I was in college, I only scored about 10 touchdowns. I got three that were punt returns, and my punt returns was only 82. He, it's like he's out there playing special teams on these guys. He can get the football and go, and I think that's what they need, especially with this new offense coming in, new Shane Waldron offense. He's going to ask these guys to catch 10-yard routes, 5-yard routes, and turn them up and go. Dude ran a 4-3-8. Four three eight. My best time was a four four seven. I was really a four five type of dude. So um a bit jealous, but I think this is what they need. They need to solidify the number three spot. David Moore is gone. He's with the Carolina Panthers. You still got Freddie Swain. You still got John Rasul. But every year they're going to bring in guys to compete, and I think he can do that. He can also help on special teams. The guy was a gunner. He returned kicks. He played defense at some points so where he can tackle a guy. I remember playing special teams and. 
Bruce DeHaven asking me to go tackle somebody. I looked at him like, bro, I, I ain't tackled anybody since 2004. You're going <laughs> to ask me to tackle a grown man in the league. Typically, defensive players are the best special teams guys because they can tackle. So it's nice that he kind of has an edge on these other offensive guys when it comes to the special teams units. Oh, no question about it. Uh, John Schneider talked about it. Uh, they kind of described him as he's just a dog. For a staff to go to a guy and say, hey, you know, a guy that's supposed to be, you know, kind of a track athlete, right? You know, the 100-meter sprinter and 200-meter sprinter. I think, shoot, I think it was like a 23-something foot long jumper. For that guy, for a guy like that, you know, usually you hear the term track guy and all that for a staff to go to a guy and uh, ask him to go play some defense and, you know, go play against Michigan State and, you know, just go compete. You could see him just flying up and run support, throwing his body around. He's just a competitor. And the great thing about that is not only, right, see, Brand is a track guy because you're fast. So it's yeah. really good to see a guy with that kind of edge who says, yeah, coach, I'll go play defense because at the time the NFL scouts thought he'd be more suited for that. And then watching him run down as a gunner and smack people with his frame, yeah. Love to see it bump because, you know, people be getting on receivers saying they're yes. not tough. They just want to catch touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. So it must <laughs> make you proud to see a guy come out there, stick his nose out there and go smack people. Represent. Change the narrative when it comes to receivers, Eskridge. I believe in you. This guy broke his, his clavicle. And I heard an interview. He was like, look, that was maybe one of the best things that happened to me because I was able to look at the game from a different lens and really prioritize what he wanted to do. He also was Mr. Track and Field in high school. We talked about that. He's really fast. Now, I heard he was a two-way guy, so I had to look up, okay, who are some baller two-way guys in college? Now, he didn't do it, like, consistently, but mm -hmm. he, he tapped into it. First name that popped up was Champ Bailey. I didn't realize Champ Bailey played both ways like that. And then the next guy who popped up, of course, is Charles Wilson. We're not even going to put the pressure on the kid no. and ask him to live up to either of those, but... If we're looking for positives, you just named a bunch when it comes to two-way players. I just named a bunch when it comes to two-way players. Let's talk about what he does well. We talked about the big playability. Averages average 21.8 yards per catch last season, which is awesome. Um, he can stretch the defense from the slot, run after the catch. That's everything you want from a receiver. I'm really excited about this young man. Yeah, it's the breakaway speed that gets me bumped because not only in his route when he gets to the top, but when that ball is in the air, his breakaway speed. And something I love to look at when you're watching film is when a guy catches the ball, right? And he looks like he's just glide. He's just out for a stroll, right? And then yeah. you look at the DBs, and they look like they are giving everything that they can Struggling. to catch this dude. And he's <laughs> accelerating. And he's and he, the gap is getting even bigger. So his breakaway speed is something that just jumps off the film to me. And I think that's one reason why um, Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll and that new offense looked for a number three receiver who could help with that. Because let's you're talking about we could line up, and Tyler Lockett might now all of a sudden become the slowest guy on the field in 11 Crazy. personnel with those three on the field. That's that's tough on a defense, man. Tough on a defense. Talk about some of his weaknesses. People say he ran a very simple route tree, and they're knocking him because of that. You know who else ran a very simple route tree? Mr. DK Metcalf. And we see what he has done for this football team. So I wouldn't knock the man. He was just doing what his offense was asking him to do. It's not like he yeah. said, Coach, I'm only going to run these routes. No, he's in the offense. They ask him to do that. Don't knock him because he's good at what he's doing. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock into that. I think anybody can be coached up. You make it to the NFL, you can be coached up to run different routes if you're in the right scheme. Um, they say hip tightness prevents quick sink and out. Pretty much saying he can't get in and out of his routes. Again, I heard the same thing about DK. Woody ran the three-cone drill, wasn't very impressive. Yep. I have no issues with how DK moves right now. So, yes, there are always going to be negatives about a guy. You can always nitpick. There's no perfect football player. But the things 
that people are concerned about, I think he can work through. Yeah, no question about it. I think, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the first pick in the draft. Um, you're going to have people, all the draft pundits out there, they're going to have a thing of weaknesses. They're going to say things that they perceived you not to do well. This is the last, that was, those were his weaknesses potentially the last time he played a football game. A lot of work sent me put in, a new, brand new system. Nothing about the weaknesses that we've heard about him, something that is alarming. You know what I mean? It's not something like yeah. he, he, too many drops or not, not coachable or locker room, things Lack like of that. Lack or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all these things, those are things that you can work on. And I, I love to see it. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about the pick. Definitely. All right. And in the fourth round with the 137th overall pick, the Hawks go to defense and they pick Trey Brown out of Oklahoma. You being the defensive guy, what do you see out, out of this guy that you like? The thing that jumped off again, so we're the theme of the first two picks is speed, right? I love his yeah. I love his closing speed. And now there's been there are several deep balls where he was in phase or the receiver had a step or two on him, and his ability to close that gap when the ball is in the air, right? Perfect technique, right arm over the shoulder, reaching across, batting the ball down. And just the way he comes downhill at the football. You watch yeah. him out of his breaks, they're incredibly clean. There's no wasted steps. That was number one thing for me. When you watch him come downhill, there's no wasted steps. Long arm action, he's coming downhill. And and he's physical. Like he even for his size, he plays physical. If you're if you're not gonna come with a receiver, he's gonna bully you. He's good in press. So I think all those things are stuff that you love to see out of a defensive back, especially going into the system. The one interesting thing about him though is he doesn't necessarily fit the build that people when people think Seattle Seahawks corners, they don't yeah. think of a five nine guy. They think of the Shermans. They think of even Shaquille. They think of a six two six three guy. But I think he has all the tools to be great in the NFL. You look at what teams did against him in the past game. He plays in the Big Twelve. All right, not a ton of defense <laughs> being played in the Big Twelve because the offenses are so good. They spread you out. The hashes are out wider. It's hard to stop elite receivers in that league. But if you look at him specifically, according to Pro Football Focus, he had the lower pa- lowest passer rating in single coverage in the 2021 draft class at 26.9. So I don't care. I'm not really concerned about his size. This dude can play. Now I'm not worried about his size. Five. 9, 186. He can play inside. He can play outside. Pete Carroll said, look, we drafted him to play outside. So he's going to compete with DJ. He's going to compete with Trey Flowers and Witherspoon. And I like that. Also, what I like about it is that the Hawks are not pigeonholing themselves and saying these are the only type of guys that we're going to take at this position. You sign Witherspoon during the offseason. He's the traditional guy they're looking for, right? The 6'2 guy, long arms, Mm -hmm. lots of range. Now they're like, look, we're just going to take ball players, And I want to tip my hat off to DJ. I'm thinking DJ has something to do with that because they found this young man and they inserted him to this defense and special teams, and he's been nothing but a baller since. Now, there's going to be some competition. I mentioned Trey Flowers, DJ Reed. So you got, you got Pierre Witherspoon. You got Randall there and also Miller. A lot of these guys aren't expected to make plays or to – I guess, play big roles in this defense, but they're still there and you have to compete. And we know no matter what your name is, no matter where you come from, if you make plays in this organization, you're going to get a chance to see yourself on the field on Sunday. Oh, no question about it. And you, the way you mentioned it, it's going to be interesting. We're pretty set at the safety position, at least we know from a starting standpoint, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs. But now with the departure of Sheila Griffin um, and both corner spots essentially open up with Quentin Dunbar not returning, yeah, the, comp- the competition is going to be nice, man. Brown's going to jump right in there. People forget about Trey. People have gotten on Trey really unfairly, I feel. In my opinion, yeah. Trey Flowers is a better football player than he gets credit for. Um, DJ Reed stepped in, did great last year. 
Pierre Desir has been a really good corner over the last couple of years since the last time mm-hmm. he was here. And Witherspoon, you've talked about this. He was really good in moments, right? And their scheme was similar to us defensively. Yep. So I think he kind of gets a bad rap, but they're going to compete like crazy, man. And it's going to be fun to see because I think um, – and this is just in the cornerbacks. When you if you bump inside to the nickel, you still you have Ugo there, and then you have oh Marquise Blair's coming back. So Marquise. there's there's yeah. a lot of things that could happen. You know, if Marquise Blair takes back over at nickel, does Ugo go back to safety? Maybe because we don't have a lot of depth at safety. Ryan Neal. So it's 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 a lot to to kind of sift through. But going back to Trey Brown, man, we're excited about him, and so is uh, GM John Schneider. Really excited about Trey. Excited about his competitiveness. The guy's just got a fire to him. That's just. Off the chain. That's chain. what all the cool kids say, I guess. Off yeah, the chain. Off yeah, the chain. sorry. That's about My son would ago. say that, right? So, but uh, four or five years ago, John. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Off the chain. No, we're excited about him. I think. I think. Uh, I think Trey is going to be a good football player. I'm looking forward to watching him compete early on. Man, don't you love Pete Carroll and Schneider's relationship? They, they, they just seem like hey, they're buddies having a beer picking ballers to, to make their team better, man. I, I just love the relationship that these two have. All right. So now in the sixth round with the 208th overall pick, the Hawks select Stone Forsyth out of Florida. This is a guy who wasn't supposed to be there. They weren't supposed to get this dude. And I'm going to go out and say that if he wasn't available, they might have traded that pick and, and got a couple more even later. I don't know. I just saw his name. And I saw his draft projections and I look at him and, and I'm like, this guy shouldn't be here. You listen to his interview. He was surprised that he was there. And now he has a chip on his shoulder, which I love. The dude is 6'8", 307 pounds. 40 games he played in with 28 starts. He started 12 games his senior season. This is a guy, okay, what's the not going to be? Oh, he's too tall. He's not going to be able to bend at the hips or whatnot. I don't care about that. I don't need him to be, get super low. I just need you to get low enough and use your range. You got those DNs firing off the edge of the of the line of scrimmage. Your job is to make them take the longest route to the quarterback. And I think with his size and with his chip on his shoulder, he's going to be able to do that. I'm happy that this guy was picked up, wasn't expected to be there. Oh, no question about it. He allowed just two sacks and 488 dropbacks at Florida. So, I mean, mm. it's something where it's like, well, he's doing something right. And it's it's crazy because yeah. if you look through all the, the draft analysts, some people had a second-round grade on him for his size and his footwork and his hand. So it's just it's shocking that he fell that late. And if you listen to Pete and John when they talked about it in their day three press conference, they were, they were shocked that he fell that far. And it was just a painful wait as they waited and waited and waited <laughs> and eventually traded up. Head coach Pete Carroll talked a lot about what he thinks from Stone and what his potential is in this offense. Stone was a guy that really, because of his uniqueness, he's really a unique player. I mean, how many times have I said that to you guys about, you know, we're always looking for traits and, and uh, he really brings a great level of potential in, in his, what he brings. He's played a lot of football. He's had over a thousand pass rushes against him in the SEC. Uh, his numbers are really good. His, his stats are really good from in pass protection. Um, he can come off the football and he runs pretty well. He runs, he runs well for a big guy. Um, so he moves, he moves. All right. We just got to get him where he's coming off the football the way we want to. That means, He's got front side blocks where he's got to reach really, you know, flashy athletes. And then he's also got to cut off big de- defensive tackles when the ball is going away. So he's shown the ability to do that. So we're not worried about his foot quickness in that regards. The thing that I like the most about Stone right here is he's not someone that needs to come in and start right away. He's not a guy that has mm-hmm. to come in and be your savior. He's a guy that can learn from one of the best in the NFL to do it in Dwayne Brown. Yep. Brandon Shell at the other side. And he can just be a depth piece. But knowing that those guys – 
I'm not saying they're not going to be here past 2021, but their contracts don't go past that. So you never know if you could eventually groom someone for the future. So I, I can't think of a better situation for a rookie tackle to come into than to learn under Dwayne Brown. He's not going to be asked to play early, but he's probably going to play because we've seen what happens to this offensive line, especially when you got older guys out there. I'm not, I'm not hoping anything on anybody on this offensive line. I hope everyone's healthy. They make it through the season, but sometimes guys need breaks. You know, a guy like Dwayne Brown been in the league for so long. Sometimes he just needs a break. It'd be nice to have a guy that can rotate in. So now we mentioned all the things he does on the field and he has the pedigree. Dad went to Kent State, went to UCF, played in the NFL, NFL Europe and the arena. When you are raised in a football home, you have some sort of advantage. And I think that with his size, of course, with his skill, over a thousand snaps he's had in college, over a thousand snaps and his experience. I really like this pick. He's not going to be asked to get in there early. Uh, I'm not mad at this thing at all. Okay, so now 2020 draft. Going into this draft, I said, look, the Hawks got three picks. I said, they're going to flip it into like five, maybe six, who knows? But they didn't. They they stayed with their three, and I think they had three solid picks. If I had to give them a grade, i give them a B plus. I think they addressed the number three receiver spot. I think that they got an offensive line guy who can help later, doesn't need to do anything right now. And then you have a corner guy who can play right now. And we've seen on the defensive side of the ball, that's kind of where guys can come in and play right now and make a huge impact just because it's just raw ability. I give them a B plus. What do you think about their their draft? I, I like it a lot, and I think one of the things that you got to look at is John Schneider likes to draft a lot of players, right? That's kind of what the Seahawks do. They love having draft picks, love having depth. Um, but something that was telling to me, obviously they didn't have a ton of draft capital. This wasn't like when we traded Frank Clark and we got another first round and this and that. Well, we, yeah. had, we had to get – we lost some of those, right? Jamal Adams technically is a first-round pick. I know people – it's not a d- direct relation. I understand that. But that's the player we got, right? We lost the fifth yep. round because of Carlos Dunlap and Gabe Jackson. So those are players that are going to start and play for us right now. So the fact that they only had three, what I like about it is, yeah, they had a couple of trades, but it seemed like they went and got the people that they wanted. They got the people that they wanted highest, not only highest on their board, but also fit a need. So, like, I, I love the draft, and maybe I'm just so in love with the speed that I saw that we got in this class. I'll give them an A-. I think they came out and they did what they wanted to do, and they got the guys that can c- come out and compete and contribute right now. And we've learned you got to trust the process when it comes to Pete and John, right? They've had 105 draft choices. 47 of these guys are still on NFL rosters. 29 of them remain on the Seattle Seahawks roster. So it's not, people have to realize it's a marathon, Uh right? People want people to come in right now and contribute and be superstars. That's not how the NFL works. Sometimes you hit, sometimes guys work out that way, but sometimes you don't. There are um, a couple of notable draft picks. You got Earl Thomas, Golden Tate, Cam Chancellor, KJ, Richard Sherman, Maxwell, Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson. Guys forget about. I don't think they don't forget about them, but they've had so much success. It's like people are always looking for the negative. Like, don't forget, they've mm-hmm. had some success when it comes to the draft. Now, undrafted free agents, they've had some success too. Of course, Dougie Fresh, Doug Baldwin. You got Jaron Johnson, Ricardo Lockett, Mike Morgan, Jermaine Kirsch, Deshaun Shedd, who's on the coaching staff now, Thomas Ross, George Fenton, who's been here for a while, Puna's still here, Brian Monet. I just listed off about 25, 30 solid football players now. No, and that's the thing, because what happens is people recognize the success Pete and John had in 2010, 2011, 2012, right? So, but everyone goes, oh, what have you done for me lately? And it, there's this narrative that 
the Seahawks have drafted so poorly the last five years, and it's just not true. It's not true. And there's a couple of things you got to look at. Number one, just because that person necessarily didn't get a second contract with the Seahawks or the Wizards, does not mean that was a bad pick or a bad class. Like, yeah. say what you want about Jermaine Effetti. He was drafted in 2016, was a starter, and is still a starter and got a contract from Chicago. Jaron yeah. Reed was a starter up until last year, right? Quentin Jefferson has bounced around the league, been a starter ever where he's been. Jump into 2017, Ethan Posick, currently a starter. Uh, Shaquille Griffin was a starter up until last year and, you know, got some money in Jacksonville, right? Um, David Moore just got paid in Carolina. Chris Carson, our starting running back in the seventh round. And it's just one of those things where it's hard to – I just feel like the narrative that things have been so bad. Yeah, Malik McDowell, things that were out of everyone else's control. No one knew that something, an unfortunate yeah. event like that could happen. So it's hard It's hard to look at those. And then you go into the recent draft picks. Okay, Rashad Penny, Rasheem Green, Will Disley, Trey Flowers, Michael Dixon, Jamar. These are all the guys that are contributing right now. Yep. So, and it's it's hard. You really can't assess a draft class until it's been four or five years. I just think people want to compare everything to the success in 2010 and 2012, and it's just not, it's not accurate because, or it's just not fair. Those are, those are Hall of Fame draft classes. Those will go down as the best of all time. So it's hard to keep comparing stuff to that when they've actually had some pretty good draft picks and guys that are still on this roster, still contributing. A lot of guys that's you know still uh, the verdict is still out, if you will. But it's just it's just not fair. Trust Pete and John; they know what they're doing, and their pedigree continues to show that. They know what they're doing. 2019, you got Collier, who I really just had his rookie season this past year. I think he's going to get better. Marquise Blair, who was a starter before he got hurt. We all know about DK Metcalf. Cody Barnes been making noise on special teams all year. You still got Ugo in the mix. Ben Curvin. Travis Homer had one of the greatest pass pro pickups in all of 2021 against the Minnesota Vikings on fourth down to get that ball to DK. So there are more role players than superstars in the NFL. And everyone's looking for a superstar. Every team needs superstars, but there are way more role players than there are superstars. Now, the 2020 class, I'm really feeling. You got Jordan Brooks, who played. Daryl Taylor, we'll see what he does. Who was ready to go, would have played in the playoffs. Damian Lewis, who's I'm hearing now, is being moved to left guard. They're going to have Gabe have the right guard spot. Colby Parkinson, who showed some love. Freddie Swain made a couple plays. So I'm okay, man. I, I Like you said, I've learned to trust the process, especially when it comes to Schneider and Pete Carroll. So we talked about what the Hawks did. Now we got to go around the NFC West. What's the word in the West? Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? What's the word? I'll tell you what the word is. Final standings in the NFC West. Seattle Seahawks 12 and 4. The Rams 10 and 6. Cardinals 8 8. And the Niners 6 and 10. The Hawks won the West, lost in the first round. Rams are talking that talk. It's all good. Y'all didn't win a championship <laughs> anyway. You didn't go to the Super Bowl. You didn't go to the conference championship game. We'll take our T-shirts and go. So hush. <laughs> all right. 49ers, we talked about it. Drafted trade lands out of North Dakota State. Um, I like the pick. It's scary because a mobile court, another mobile quarterback in this division, you already got to deal with Kyler Murray. Now you got another guy who's going to make things happen. I expect to see this guy early. Other than that, I don't think they did a lot in this draft. The big pick, maybe uh, Trey Sermon at Ohio State, the running back. 
not too impressed. I saw somebody, I forget where I saw it. They gave the 49, excuse me. Yes, the 49ers, a draft grade of a B. Um, okay, I'll roll with that. B sounds good to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Trey Lance, obviously, uh, the verdict is going to be out on him, but I think that's a great pick. Aaron Banks, guard from Notre Dame. Trey Sermon, at least with their first three picks, you're assuming you pick three starters, right? Um, yeah. Then they had a lot of work in the back end of the draft. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the safety from SC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. But, no, I, I think it's okay. Like I said, um, Trey Lance – and Trey Sermon, it's all going to be about Lance. You know, at the end of the day, yep. if Lance becomes an all-pro, Pro Bowl quarterback, no one's going to really care about the rest of that draft. It's all about Trey Lance and his success, so it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can get on the field. Or if Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and plays super well, and then Trey Lance yeah. has time to learn underneath Garoppolo, but Garoppolo is an injury-prone. So their, gra- their draft to me is, it's hard to tell. It's okay. Yeah, Nothing it's okay. really jumps off. It's all about the quarterback. Because you still got Debo over there. You still got Brandon Ayuk. Mostert is still there. Like, they have some guys around George Kittle. Can't forget about George Kittle. So, it's more about how Lance, will he beat out Jimmy Garoppolo? And then if he does, how he inserts into this offense with the weapons around him. A lot of weapons. All right, the Cardinals. Now, their first pick, 16 overall, Zayvon Collins is a ball. Mm-hmm. They, they've gotten so fast on defense, man. They Isaiah, or is it uh, Isaiah? It's Simmons. Simmons, the linebacker they drafted last year, quick. Now they go to the second level again with Zayvon Collins and then Rondell Moore out of Purdue. It's funny that the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams kind of all drafted the same type of receiver. And you know what that gets me hyped, Nass? Mm -hmm. Under six-foot receivers (laughs) making noise. I set my son down. I go, hey, Pops, look at this. 5'9 drafted. I saw a 5'7 receiver drafted. So all you you shorties out there, you just be fast and play hard. You might get an opportunity in this league. I think the Cardinals did what they're supposed to do. I mean, they had to go out there and get a safety. They got a center, the cornerback, Tay going out of UCF. It's it's really after those first two picks, you're kind of just filling boys and yep. putting depth onto your roster. Yeah, no, you you nailed it. The first two picks, I love those two. Um, a lot of speed on that defense, man. They got Buda Baker yeah. in the back end, Murphy. They got guys who can play, and they're still going to be definitely very tough in the NFC West. Um, and then Rondell Moore, same kind of thing. You look at him, speed jumps off the yep. jumps off the page, and something about speed kills, man. Every it's almost like everyone is trying to one up the next person. Everyone's like, we need to have that guy on our roster. Everyone needs to have, and that's just kind of the way the NFL is going. So I think the Cardinals did a good job. I like their first two picks a lot. Blame the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill for that. They they showed, like, look, you fast out there. You got a quarterback who has an arm. Things can get done. Now, the Rams. Now, the Rams. Now, you were, we were talking about this before we got on. They got Tutu Atwell out of Louisville. The guy is 165 pounds, small guy. And if you listen to the post-draft interview with Eskridge, Eskridge kind of slipped up and said, um, the Rams, no, the Cardinals, he kind of got his, his words all mixed up. So we're thinking that the Rams were probably going to take a peek or try to draft Eskridge if the Seahawks did it. I think they're, they were all thinking the same thing. We need this type of receiver. And they got Tutu Atwell, smaller guy, fast as heck. He makes the tough catches. Um, not really impressed with his route running or whatnot, but the dude's blazing. And you – Getting to this Rams offense, I would assume it would, re- it would resemble a Shane Waldron offense. I don't think they're just going to change the playbook. Right. You're going to see them in shallows and crossing routes and 
and five to 10 yard routes and allow him to really get moving. Uh, I think the Rams did okay. It's more about helping out Stafford. And I think they have enough there already. And then you add Tutu to the mix, more weapons for this guy to play with. Yeah, no, I mean, they're going to be a tough, they're going to be a tough game as they always are when they play the Seahawks. But if you look at what they already have on offense, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Yeah. So you add another fast guy. I mean, they're just, they're so difficult. The nice thing is the Seahawks were able to get Gerald Everett to help yeah. that a little bit on our offense. But no, Tutu, I think, I think both teams had those guys on their board because they were looking for that type of playmaker or that type of speed and capability. And with a Sean McVay, he's going to find ways, whether it's when they utilize the fly sweep or the different kind of option routes they got going over there. So I think I think he's going to make plays. I think if you look at the rest of their the rest of the Rams draft, it's all about it's all about depth. Yep. Cuz honestly, when you look at just not even the players necessarily, but the sheer amount of picks, that looks like a Seahawks draft. It does. When you see all those picks and they were trading a bunch and they they went for they went for quantity, right? Because when you go through that draft, if you hit on four of those guys, right? I mean, not all those guys are going to make the team, especially when you have as many veterans as the Rams do. But they went for they went for quantity, and they got a lot of guys, and it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. But I think they did what they wanted to do. I think Sean McVay was Stafford. They got a year where they're, they're still trying to win right now, and they're still going to be a tough contest for the Seahawks and the Cardinals as every battle is in the MC West. So I think the Rams did a good job in the sense of just helping get depth on their roster. All about that depth. Now, my first impression of the NFC West after the draft is that there's no better division in this league. We already knew that. And now there's no other division in this league with the quarterback talent that's in this division. Because now we're talking about Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. Jimmy Garoppolo is still a good quarterback. He's not a game changer. He's not going to overwhelm me with his talent, but he's been to a Super Bowl. He can get it done. Um, and then you add Trey Lance to that mix. And of course, Russell Wilson, this division just got that much tougher. And it's almost like they're all tr- kind of trying to be the same type when it comes to offense. Everyone's trying to get faster. Everyone's trying to get explosive. That's just the name of the game these days. That's why you see these smaller receivers being drafted. Yeah. And if you look at every offense, every offense has explosive, fast, wide receivers that'll run by you whether it's the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams throwing some of the 49ers. It's going to be – points are going to be scored in this league. That's, that's for sure. And it's going to be, it's going to be a dogfight. And, and while it's all about – it's the depth of the NFC West that makes it impressive because every single team week in and week out is going to compete. If the Niners are healthy, they're a completely different team in 2021 than they were in 2020. So, again, the Seahawks have their work cut out for them, but it's fun to see get through the draft. It's a really fun time of this year. And – uh It'll be interesting to see these guys get out to mini camp. I know things are a little different right now this year with a lot, some teams doing in-person workouts, some teams doing virtual. So it'll be interesting to see how these rookies um, take in another year of virtual learning and see, like, from a quarterback standpoint, are they going to be able to ingest that brand-new offense or brand-new coaches and stuff. So it's going to be an interesting offseason. I can't wait till we get to the point where we have mandatory mini camps and stuff, and hopefully we can be out there watching them. But it's going to be a fun year, Bump. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Let them know where they can find us, Nas. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Bump, we got to do this again, man. It's been too long. Been too long. The draft is over. We would be getting ready for all these mini camps, but things have changed. The rookies will report, and we've got to sit here and wait and see if the Hawks make any other moves. Something tells me they are going to do that. It has been real. That's Hawk Talk. 
Draft Recap Edition. I'm your host, Michael Bombas, along with my guy, Nasty Chobi. It's been real. We will talk to you guys soon.